Welcome to the Mile 99 interview with your host, Jessica Harris, Mike Turner, and Greg Larkin. Enjoy this episode. We'll see you on the trails. See you out there. See you there. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mile 99 interview. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Harris. The Mile 99 interview is a place to hang out with like-minded folks in our trail community, share our stories, successes, failures, and deepest trail secrets. This is also the place to get the latest in local race news and find out what's going on in our community. We record live on Zoom and Facebook. One take, no breaks, and unlike the trails, what is said here is on the record. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Turner. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Good. It's going well. I, I've had some great weekends. I, I was hanging out last weekend with the Donner Party Mountain Runners. Ken, I see Ken too. We were volunteering at their new Point Mariah Marathon. It was exciting. Great turnout, beautiful weather. This weekend, I'm pacing my friend Ha at Marin Headlands. So lots of activities going on right now. How's it going with you? Pretty good. First day of school for my two oldest, my 10-year-old and my eight-year-old. My five-year-old started kindergarten on Monday. Avery is homeschooling and doing a little outside extended preschool. So Avery's going to stay home a little bit, but my oldest, they were gone all day today. I was so bored. So I haven't I think we wrapped my head around okay. I have a fifth grader and a third grader. That just seems, I can't be that old. There's no way I'm that old, but we have a lot of things going on in our community. Tonight, one of our things that's going on is Greg is gone. Have you guys missed him? We've missed him dearly. He's on vacation and um, he's driving back from Pennsylvania. I have no idea where he is. We miss him dearly. Hopefully he'll, we'll catch him on the next show in two weeks, episode 75 with Laura Matt. So we're really excited. The end of this episode, we're going to have a giveaway for Fixing Your Feet, the seventh edition. We have some pretty gnarly feet picks. So trigger warning, we're doing feet picks tonight at 6.55 p.m. Very excited. We want to thank all our Patreon members, speaking of community, who support us. We got two new Patreon members who we want to give a big thank you to, Gary and Jan. We really appreciate your support. If you guys are watching tonight and would like to do a one-time um, contribution, our Venmo is at the Mile 99 interview. You can donate through either one of those platforms. Patreon is a monthly um, subscription where we add all our bonus content. And then Venmo is just a one-time thanks for putting on the show, guys. Donating to us, it helps us keep bringing you the quality trail running content and local news that you're looking for. That's all our news. So we're going to jump in to some community news. So what's going on around us? Uh, Waldo 100K uh, is this weekend. The air quality is looking super great with some beautiful blue skies. A little bit of a smoke advisory. So if you um, are heading up there and you didn't see the runner email, maybe bring a mask if you're a little sensitive to some of the smoky areas heading into that. Bigfoot 200 is August 13th through the 17th. Headlands 100 is the 14th. And Mike is going to be pacing on loop four. We have the trail run at Sly Park. It's a 50 through 5K on August 20th. Troy, California is doing that one. Inside Trail Racing, Santa Cruz, um, 10K through 30K is August 27th. NorCal Ultras, uh, She Rocks the Trails is on September 3rd. 
Inside Trail Racing has Berkeley 10K through 50K. That is a beautiful course. I ran that when I was pregnant with my third with Avery. Amazing views of the city. Love that race. Superior Fall 100 in Minnesota is September 9th. Mike is running that. And while Mike is running, I will be aiding people at the Overlook races at the Corey Aid Station. Just took that on today. I got a call from Chaz and Abby. Very excited. So I will be captaining that aid station. So if you want to come and hang out with me and my kiddos from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., uh, we'll be right off the parking lot, too. So you no need even to hike in. We will post the sign up genius link for that. Our friends at Total Body Fitness have their Gold Rush Mountain Bike Growler and their Gold Rush 5K and 10K September 24th. Yuba Gold 50K by RD Ben Mitchell is October 1st. Reach out to Martin Sango to volunteer. I also believe that that race is still open for registration as well. The Great American Obstacle Race, uh, Auburn Rec District is October 2nd. We're still seeing a lot of people signing up for CIM and it's maybe something I said never. So maybe I should really stick to five and done, but I don't know. And then RDL is coming up very quickly to November 5th. I got zero and done for CIM. And so I think, I think didn't last year they changed the sign up where you actually can get a ticket later on. Now people can sell tickets or there's some new system now where you can get a ticket later on. So it gives me longer to procrastinate. I mean, yeah, because you couldn't roll over for a long time. Um, and then the pandemic hit, people needed to roll over. So I don't know what's going on. But I mean, even if you just just do it. Mike, when have you ever signed up for a race and not shown up? Yeah, just do it. I, I may. So it's it's close. I did the half point. That was a lot of news. Lots of things happening. And good job, Jessica. That was a lot to get through. Usually Greg jumps in the news, but that was great. I almost brought a microphone to make it really official, but maybe next time. All right. So tonight we are super excited to be talking foot care with one and only Dr. Tanya Olson. Tanya is a doctor of physical therapy, board certified orthopedic physical therapy, certified massage therapist, assistant professor, consultant for course design and fitness professionals, and contributing author to the book, Fixing Your Feet, 7th edition. I met Tanya this year at the Western States in Nurseran, Michigan Bluff, I was volunteering with the Sierra Trailblazers, and I met Tanya and her crew, and it, she just was so fun and informative and information, and just, I just, I, I couldn't, uh, we had to have her on the show to talk feet. So with that, welcome to the start. Tanya, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Anytime we're talking about feet, I'm happy. And we see your background is two giant nasty feet. They're if, not if nasty. You're not, if you're not uh, seeing online, they're... Oh. That is the finish line of Western States 100. Those feet got that runner to the track and the finish line. Those are not nasty feet. And to the medical tent. Because I was there. I do post-race counseling, post-race therapy. We just talk about feet, how to love on them in the next couple of days. No, they had, they, you, if you, if we... If we zoom in, you can see the finisher's medal on there. Oh, oh yeah. No, the, the, the medical tent is actually the place to be after the race. Uh, so before we get into the whole story of B, we want to find out about Tanya. Background, where she grew up. We want to get to know how all this started, this fascination with feet. So she grew up in Duluth, Minnesota, outdoorsy town, 80,000 people in the northern part of the state. 
Actually, we'll be up there in about a month at Superior. So I'm pretty excited. You're a big horse rider. It's like when you grew, did you grew, you grew up riding horses, right? Yep. Yep. That was my thing. Your family rode horses or was this something that you got into? Yeah, it was mostly me. Yeah. <laughs> it was mostly me. I lucked out. My dad bought a horse and we just, you know, kept it, kept, kept it rolling. So I spent a lot of time out on the trails with my horse when I was growing up. Yeah. And there's a lot of trails in Minnesota, especially in the, in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose in the winter, it's a little bit less, but, uh, and then, so you moved, well, you went to college and, or into Minneapolis, you moved into town you started running at what point, at what age was that after high school? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I actually kind of ran away and, uh, you know, rode horses for a living for a few years and cause I, I ended up with a really nice horse. So I got to do that. I did that for about six years. And when I sold my horse, I had this huge hole in my life. And I was like, well, now what am I going to do? And I'd always, um, I'd always, I'd worked at grandma's restaurant in Duluth, Minnesota. And I'd see the runners every year running grandma's marathon. And I just like, God, that's so interesting. I wonder if I could ever do that. And so then when I didn't have my horse anymore, I had um, plenty of time and I just laced on the shoes and hit the trails uh, on my own feet for a change. And it's, you know, there's a lot of similarities. So grandma's marathon, it goes around, it's right in town, right? And it goes up like around the perimeter. It's almost on, on an asphalt paved road around. Is that? Um, it's point to point. So they bus you 26.2 miles out on the North shore on the, along the, um, the highway that's the closest to the lake. And then you run into town. Okay. It is absolutely scenic, beautiful, amazing. I ran it 10 times in a row. Yeah, that was where it all started. <laughs> wow. So it's like, yeah, it sounds like a, I've, had some other friends, I've had some other friends that run it. It sounds like it's a pretty popular, well, a lot of, a lot of people and a lot of people coming out and families and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. people hand down aid stations like generations, multiple generations. It's this, wow. yeah. And how did you get into, so you see you after that, then you moved off to uh, physical therapy school and in Charleston, and then you started getting into ultras while you were there. Yes. Yeah. I was in PT school in Charleston, South Carolina. And I was like, you know, I want to take it to the next level. And I'm just kind of asked around about where I should run my, you know, I wanted to run my first ultra. And, uh, you know, it was suggested that I run um, when it like David Horton had races up in Virginia and the Blue Ridge Mountains. And so those are that was my first ultra experiences in 2005. Yeah, of course, you're an ultra runner because you would pick one called the Mountain Masochist. <laughs> That's right. And my first ultra was a 50 miler. Yeah. And then you jumped right into 100K after that, huh? The Hellgate, which also sounds pleasant. <laughs> I mean, they are David Horton races. Yeah. Uh, Mountain Masochist also, you know, as a road, I had been, you know, a road marathon runner uh, training on trails, but most of my racing had been on the roads. Um, I didn't realize, I didn't fully appreciate the elevation and, um, you know, the Charleston, South Carolina is super flat. So I thought that running in the up and down the six floors of the parking garage twice a week for half an hour was good for training for the 9,000 feet of climb at Mountain Masochist. And it was it? <laughs> well, I got it done. That's right. <laughs> did, did you have any early foot problems in these early marathon days? 
So one of the key tenets of horses or being a horse person is no hoof, no horse. So I have always been interested in proper foot care, horse, human, dog, whatever it is. And so, no, I um, really have not had much in the way of um, foot issues myself, um, but I contribute that to just having a honing a, a knowledge base since I was like six. <laughs> yeah, you're lucky. And many of us have a lot of foot problems. We'll get into that tonight. Yeah. And so you, after, so you did some ultras and then you moved out to the Pacific Northwest and you got into PT school there. Is that right? No, PT school was Charleston. As soon as I graduated from Charleston. Hi, John. Um, I, as soon as I graduated from uh, PT school, I moved to Bend, Oregon. Okay, Bend, Oregon, and you and you were you you were there for quite a it's a ten years, and that's kind of where you uh, started knowing about the Western states. And how how did that transition happen? Yeah, I was in the Pacific Northwest for ten. I was like in Eugene or Bend for two years, Eugene for about a, about two years, Ashland for two years, and then I worked as a traveling physical therapist, kind of all along the I five corridor. Um, and you know, of course, I lived in Bend, so and I didn't really do any cycling, so I kind of had to do something. <laughs> Otherwise, I think they do. I felt like I was going to get kicked out of this, kicked out of this the city because I didn't have a, a high enough ratio of spandex. <laughs> But yeah, and I just moved there and, you know, like I was, I was lucky enough to, to live places where there was just a really strong ultra community and, you know, and I like to be out on trails. I don't belong out there alone because, you know, I'm not so great with directions. My hash house harrier name is wrong way. Yeah. Anyhow, it's a good, (laughs) so ultra running is a good way for me to get out, out, out in the woods with my friends. And at the end, uh, if I'm in a race, they will come and find my body. That, that's quite a calm name for a hash house harrier title. They usually include profanity of some sort. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, I sort of, uh, I was a little bit, I'm attracted to the less vulgar culture of the hash house harriers. There's some groups that are a little bit more frat boy and others that are a little bit more family friendly. Uh, and, and so that's kind of where I see John Von Hoppe is on your, one of your partners there. Hello, John. And how did you meet John? At what point when you were in Oregon? So I was living in Bend and, um, you know, there's a group of people that were running, running States. Um, and so I went down to just hang out and see if I could help. And I asked Sean Meisner, you know, we're like, we're at the, we we're up at, um, it was Squaw Valley at the time, but we we're at the race, the race start. And, you know, the day before or so, and I was like, oh, Sean, where should I volunteer? And he's like, Michigan Bluff with John Bonhoff. Hello, <laughs> foot lady. <laughs> and so that's where it all started. Uh, and you were there, I think, I think you told me this, it was your 13th year this year. Yes. Lucky 13. Yeah. And congrats on the, uh, the, the Western States. I saw you got a, a Friends of the Trail. Yes. Uh, yes. That. That's exciting. As- as did John, we share the award. Nice job, John. Yes. So, <laughs> and then obviously now you're in Florida. So you spent 13 years in the, up in, or at least 10 up in the Pacific Northwest and you ended up going to Florida. Was that just for jobs or? Yeah, I got a job I didn't apply for. And crazy enough, I really like living in Florida. 
I've done all new things here. I started working, I moved here to work in academics. So I worked from home for the first time ever, worked full-time in academics for the first time ever. And when we got that program up and running, I started my own business. So I have my own physical therapy practice, a mobile practice, because I don't like to commit to an actual building. And uh, (laughs) I'm getting my um, PhD in education and um, developing an online portion of my business in kind of the niche of uh, equestrians. That's been the latest thing that I've been doing. It just seems like every time I turn around in Florida, I'm doing something new and I just love it. Wow, that's great. You're just busy. You can just keep on seeking out education and new challenges and just keep going. You never have to stop. Right. Kind of with any kind of, at any kind of point in life. That's super, super nope. inspiring. Nope. So some of your, your favorite, so you've done a quite a bit of ultras, you know, and, uh, we talked about the mountain masochist and Hellgate, but then you up in, the, in Virginia, you did some other ones, uh, other 50 Ks and up in Oregon, you've done some as well. And, and the most recent uh, Sean O'Brien. So out of all those, what was your, your favorite race you think? Mm-hmm. So, you know, every race is my favorite race, of course. Um, but, you know, I have to tell you, so SOB, the Siskiyou Outback in Ashland is just, that's a magical race. Like you're just out there. And first time I ran it, I was like going around the corner expecting to see like Heidi from the book. And I'm aging myself. I know like, and skipping down the path. It was just, it's just beautiful. And the trail running community in Ashland is fantastic. Um, And then I think like my second favorite up in that part of the country would be uh, McDonald forest 50 K. Now that's an old school 50K, just the community, the culture. It's just fantastic. Uh, yeah, those are those are the kind of the two that stand out, but I've run a bunch out there. Yeah, and I'm not too familiar with races up there, but, uh, you know, like Hall and Aspen, that sounds interesting. Oh, yeah, that's in Bend. <laughs> Is that a road marathon or a trail? Oh, oh God. So Hall and Aspen is really interesting. So it's a trail marathon. Um, and it's in Bend and it's Bend is a mountain town. So there's a fair amount of climb, a lot of single track, a fair amount of descent as well. But um, when I was running it, when I lived there, they were advertising it in a lot of road racing magazines. And so you'd get these road runners running on the trails and we're locals. We're just bombing down the hills. just like, you know, normal sauce. And these road runners would just be absolutely terrified. Like, I swear to God, at one time, this dude was just holding a tree. Cause he was just hyperventilating and so scared of running downhill. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Cause he did. I, yeah. So that was a, that's a band race. It's fun. Wow. It sounds like there's lots of cool stuff up there and, and the weather, oh, yeah. obviously folks have, uh, we've run up there. So the weather's a little more moist, I guess a lot more rain up there. So uh, did you see a lot of problems up there with, with different kinds of foot conditions? Yeah. So bend is a, is a, it's a, um, it's high desert. So it's dry. So okay. we have issues with, with being dry and with friction with regard to dust and debris in the shoes. And then, but if you just go a little bit east or a little bit west, then now you're now we get into the, the wet conditions. And so the runners who were used to running in, in bend would go to um 
to the the races the majority of most of Oregon is then is uh waterlogged <laughs> and so it was really interesting to watch the runners from Ben then struggle with foot care issues when they would get um to where their feet would be getting wet on a regular basis so that was um kind of really a start of a lot of um my being able to help folks just be able to prepare for the different conditions yeah, because here in California we have we have certain a certain climate, and a lot of us that run here between California and Arizona, you know, in Reno and Nevada, it's pretty similar conditions. There's a few creek crossings that's dry and it's warm, but some of us, you know, venture out to other other like, like I was in Texas a while back, and it's a whole different environment when, when your feet are wet and trying to understand how do I prepare my feet for this condition versus how do I prepare for you know California. But we're going to get into a little bit of that when we start talking about feet in a little bit here. So of all these races, you, you know, you, uh, what, you, what's your favorite distance? Do you like the longer races or do you like the more the marathons or. So like if I, yeah, I, you know, I like the 50 mile distance. I think it's challenging enough. Um, but, it, but the training doesn't require as much time as the longer distances. So it's kind of that sweet spot where you feel like you really did something worth doing, you know, and it's, it's hard and, um, but not so much that it kind of takes a training takes over your life. And you're not out all night, which is also nice. You get to oh, be done. Unless you run Hellgate, but that's a hundred K Never mind. Yeah, yeah, you get to get to the finish line and then uh, you know hang out and get some food and and not be out overnight, which is yeah. you know. Uh, you know, we were talking about uh, we had a questionnaire. And we we're talking about some advice for new runners, you know, and and uh, like what you said, you you were just saying you get involved locally, you know, with your local running store, local run local races and volunteer. And you said, you know, this you talked about the ultra running community uh, is very unique, you know, and. Uh, and you can, you can find your people there. And you also, you talked about, you know, how to, you know, work through your injuries and, and just kind of keep healthy. So good advice for, you know, for new people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things like running is it's, it should, it should be a community. I mean, cause you know, you gotta be careful who your friends are, right? If you've got friends who are always kind of challenging you to do more, be more, um, and try things that you wouldn't normally try. I think that's a good, that's a good group of folk. It's a good group of folk, you know, and trail running, like, you know, especially when I lived in, you know, it's, I just love that if you're a trail runner, no matter where you live in the world, your family, you know, I, it was not, it's not been unusual for me, especially when I was living, when, when I was living out West to have people just text or Facebook message me, um, you know, a couple of days before a race and said, Hey, um, we need a place to crash. We're going to be in town for the, for the race, or we're coming through town. Do you, any chance we can, you know, we've got some couch space and it would just, you just, that's just normal sauce for, for ultra running. And that's, I think what I love about it. Cause you go through so much together. There's nothing like I, you guys probably all know, notice this when you introduce somebody to, uh, to somebody new, if it's a running friend, you'd be like, oh, this is Mike. He's my running friend. Because that means something to, right? It means yeah. something to us because we've been through some stuff together. <laughs> like we've been in the trenches. Like I begged you to leave me to die in the woods. Like that's like a trail running friends are just a whole nother depth of friendship. Yeah. You're automatically yeah. like accepted and like, wow, they're like, there's some stories here that they mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of stories. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. Uh, 
running a race out of state too. Cause you go there, you don't know anybody. And like I, I ran in Texas, you know, the Rocky raccoon and I ran with this guy. We literally ran 55 miles together. We just ended up at the same pace on the same day in our lives. Yeah. And we ran by the end of the race. I knew about his family, his kids, and his wife, his marital problems. And just, we knew the, the whole story of each other's lives. It's almost awkward because you get to the H station, you see their wife and you're like, and you know, stuff. <laughs> You know, and you know that both of you ran a better race because of that. Yeah. But that relationship, the distraction, the just falling into that pace. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you, you know, and shoes and you talk about shoes and socks and nutrition and, and it's like, it's like, like you've been friends forever. So that's, that's so nice. Yeah. Cause you have a common, you have a common, you know, like you could say common enemy, but you have a common goal and you're, you're, you're suffering through together the, and it's just, yeah, it just it's just a depth. There's trail running people. They're just, I don't know that there's any relationship that's as quality as, yeah. as your trail people. Your trail oh, for sure. And I, I found some, I'm running superior, but I found some people to pace me through people I met at Western States that are Minnesota people. So oh, just cool. these connections you make in one, in one state and they can help, they help you find pacers for a whole nother state. So it's pretty cool. The community is, it's not limited by, people you know you just meet somebody new and then they their friends are your friends yeah yeah it's all family so so we are going to get into feet in just a minute but before we get into feet i want to mention one of our sponsors which uh this episode is sponsored by injinji which is my favorite sock if you know me uh you know i love my injinjis and a cocodona this year i brought along seven pair different kinds and uh, i soon realized that the desert sand was very abrasive and I was changing my socks more than I, I wanted. Like every 25, 35 miles, I started to run out of socks. So we I rotated in some other odds and ends and I got some blisters right away. So my daughter, my crew chief, went into their local running stores and found several more pair. So with those new socks in my rotation, I was able to get back in, in the groove. I kept my little blisters at bay and prevented the new ones. So they got this Coolmax Eco-Made moisture wicking fibers and the five toe design is just cool to look at in my opinion. And with that, I was ready to finish the race and I did well. So whether you're hiking and running, hitting the gym or everyday use, your feet take a beating and they deserve to be pampered as you probably would agree, Tanya. So treat your feet to comfort of the Injinji toe socks. You can visit their website at injinji.com and use our code mile 99 and get 15 percent off which during this period of inflation that's a lot of percent 15 is a lot so please check it out and thank you for sponsoring this episode i like my socks for sure but we'll get into socks because lots of tanya actually keeps socks in her bag and gives them away at races so yeah really running low so sock donations I need a sock sponsor at States next year for sure. I mean, I would like to, I, I kind of need to replenish my own supply that I've donated to runners over the years, but yeah, definitely. I always have extra socks every year. I say, I'm going to keep them to myself. Never do. Um, I feel like you have helped so many people who are watching now, you know, PMS, if, if Tana's, Tanya has ever done you a solid, it will make sure that you guys can send her maybe a couple pairs of socks as a thank you for finishing Western States or any other race that you've oh, been yeah. at. So PM me if you want to 
do Tanya solid and maybe future runners. We love that. Yeah. We can keep them at the, at the trailblazers club. That way when we're there next year at the HHS, we'll, we'll have them for you. So. Oh my gosh. So that would be my yeah. dream. I so, don't know why States doesn't have a sock sponsor. That's just dumb. Let's just do it ourselves. Let's just going to crowdsource sock sponsor. I know there's lots of companies out there. So let's get into some feet stuff. So uh, we, uh, John is here as well. We talked about that. So you've known John, you met him at Michigan Bluffs. So let's, uh, let's get into the book. How did you, we talked about you guys met, that's where you met at Western States, right? We, yes. Well, I don't think the book shows up on with your feet screen, but <laughs> we're in the seventh edition and uh, maybe, I, I know I did, uh, maybe John can, jump on really quick and if unmute maybe he wants to tell us how what the origin of, of of this book idea i think i heard it how you doing john hey how are you how are you guys good to see you we've got tanya on here she's special yeah so sorry about the flash john's gonna be talking you didn't know it but i just wanted to quickly ask you know how was this feat first envisioned this book i had I was running the Gibson Ranch 72 hour back in uh, like 1992. And um, a woman from the 24 hour track runs I had done showed me how to duct tape a blister on my feet. And that kind of piqued my interest. And so I started to compile stuff. And then my son said, dad, why don't you write a book on this? And, uh, so it kind of evolved from there. And first one came out in 97, so. Yeah, I think I have the fifth edition here and uh, and I have a bookmark with dog-eared pages and I, I've been looked through it and I've had this version for years. I've referenced it and they're definitely handy. I'll have, have to grab the new one because there's uh, like 70 new, 72 new pages of, of information. And full of Tanya's tips. Yeah. Oh, How many are there? 47, I think, Tanya. <laughs> John's a numbers guy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's a completely, this edition is a completely different edition. Completely oh. different. Yeah, I'm going to give myself a new copy because I want to see what Tanya's tips are. So, so let's get into some typical foot problems, Tanya. What, you know, what are you seeing out there? Maybe you can talk about wet weather and dry weather. What do you see as the most common problems? Uh, you know, wet or dry weather, I think the um, the most misunderstood and a co most common issue is maceration, um, which is basically your feet have been exposed to moisture for an extended period of time. And so the, you know, the skin prunes and then that that causes all sorts of issues. Um, it's commonly uh, it's misunderstood the cause and um, the contributing factors to it. One thing that I is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine because I tend to be a little specific with the language that I use. Trench foot is not the same as maceration. So if your feet get all pruney, it's not trench foot unless it's 30 degrees. Trench foot is a combination of wet and cold temperatures. If it's not cold, it's not trench foot. It's macerated feet. That's what, my little foot box. <laughs> what, is the, what does the difference look like? What is it, it? it looks, it looks essential. It looks similar, but there's, but you will have with trench foot, you can have some of the effects of having the decreased circulation from the cold. So you may have black toes or discoloration. 
but cold is the the main issue. So the vast majority of times people are, when they say trench foot, they mean maceration. Okay. I think people just think it just sounds dramatic, you know, like, like you're in Vietnam or something. I think so. But, you know, maceration, let's just go with, I mean, let's just, let's just carry on, continue along that vein of thinking. Maceration is essentially the top layer of your foot, of your skin, disconnecting from the bottom layer. You're delaminating the entire bottom of your foot. That's what maceration is. So I think that's pretty dramatic. Delaminating your foot. Yeah. Well, and, then, just... <laughs> and so, and then, then the skin is also swollen because you see it. We'll see pictures in a little bit, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's also expanded. Your skin is stretching or swollen because it looks like it's pruny means it's like it's all bunched up. Yeah. So what happens is, you know, the skin prunes. And then it also, that pruning then causes the, um, I'm, I'm using like for those on the podcast, don't worry, I'll use my words, but those who are people who are live are seeing my hands demonstrate. So pruning lifts the top layer from the bottom layer. And then there's also some swelling that occurs as a result, because there's some trauma that's happening. And then you have uh, the little, the wrinkles that happen from the pruning. Uh, those wrinkles um, can rub, when they rub together for a period of time, those wrinkles can then tear open. And because the top layer is no longer connected to the bottom layer, you'll have the entire layer of the of skin on the bottom of the foot peel off. And that is the most advanced, <laughs> that is the most advanced, um, less than optimal situation, progression of a macerated foot. Ah, Jessica and I are sitting there holding our faces. We're like, <laughs> the good news is that we can, you can take a, a, um, a broke down macerated foot, which would be a, a, like a delam delaminated foot where the skin has broken and, and has peeled away. You can fix that and continue running and finish your race. Now, what's the time frame? Like say this like Western States as, as an example. And I mean, what's the time frame and a typical time frame of when this would occur and the next and the various levels, like when it, when, you know, obviously you're starting to mass masticate and then the delamination seems like a, like a, a next level kind of thing. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of variables that, that, that play into it. It has to do, you know, how you've trained, how, what you weigh, what your, how your running style, the kind of shoes and socks you're wearing, um, those sorts of variables. But the biggest thing to appreciate, um, cause when we talk about maceration, uh, a lot of folks, the first thing they say, oh, there's a bunch of river crossings. There's only one river crossing in the race. So my feet should be good. Your each foot, has 125,000 sweat glands that are pumping out moisture the minute you take your first running step. So no matter whether it's a dry course or a wet course, your feet are the biggest creator of wet to your skin. Hmm. And so, and time being 
being exposed to the self-made wetness and then um, is the biggest variable with regard to uh, being at risk for maceration. So typically it states by the time people get to mile 55, they're, we're getting, we're getting full, we're getting some pretty good maceration. Um, so mile 55 and we get people coming in at about three o'clock. So like, what's the math there on how many hours they've been out? So they've been out for the race starts at five. Five so to five is, yeah. So, it's, five, so it's about 10 hours. hours. Yeah. Yeah. Did I do the math right? Yeah. yeah that's right. 10 hours at three o'clock. <laughs> math on demand. Okay. Yeah. So it's about 10 hours or so. Um, but yeah, there's not really a, a, but basically prolonged exposure to moisture causes the maceration. If it's not addressed, then you can get the delamination and the complete destruction of the bottom of your feet. And that is the most common reason why people DNF because the skin has basically come off of the bottom of their feet. A lot of times blisters can be managed. So then, you know, second problem that happens with people is blisters on the toes. Usually it's more often than not, it's on the toes. Um, and that can, those can get painful enough to, for a person to drop, but that's usually a localized issue that can be addressed so more. So, yeah. On the mass on the mastication, so it sounds like Western States has you know fifteen to thirty miles of snow, and but it, it may not be it may be more of the genetics of the person than it is the the conditions. So some people would sweat more than others. So more people are is that true, or is it are some people more susceptible to mastication than other people just because of their body? Um, it has to do more about your training. Really? Yeah, your training. So if you're tra- the conditions that you're training in is gonna um, is going to prep your feet or put your feet at a disadvantage. So um, if you don't run uh, where there's any sort of uh, moisture that's external, and you're not accustomed to uh, keeping uh, preventing maceration as far as your race strategy, then you're going to be more at risk. Um, Feet can get accustomed to being waterlogged. So like a Florida runner who's running in wet conditions on a regular basis, their feet are going to be less apt to have issues at at a race, but they're going to be more apt to have issues with regard to the climb and descent of the race because we're super flat here. So there's a, it's a, there are a number of variables to consider, but it really is has more to do with training your training conditions interesting that's fascinating because i i just thought that if it was a sweaty condition that would someone would be more susceptible but it sounds like if you can kind of condition your feet like i have a i run in california but i in a couple years i'm looking at something in scotland uh, and so i need to be running like in the bathtub at home (laughs) two hours at a time because i I, run in the sauna no, so how am I going to prepare for that? I mean, is it just literally running in, in the all winter long? So this, I'm really glad you brought this up because this is probably like the biggest soapbox like John and I have is like, is so there's such a disconnect with runners with regard to like the strategies that they're using for their, like their races and prepare preparation for races and their training is you have all these strategies for your nutrition and hydration, right? Like if things go, if this strategy, if this um, the, if, if this food isn't working for you, then you have the, this food that you try, you've got like several tiers of things that you try. You have a whole strategy, same thing with hydration. You've got all different options for hydration based on your symptoms, based on how the race is going, blah, blah, blah. People tend to have no 
strategy for when or if things go wrong with their feet. And, and there's a lack of understanding the different, um, there's not any hard and fast rules necessarily. It's just understanding what is the factors that are contributing to the foot skin breakdown. Um, So you need to know how you've trained. And so what are your feet accustomed to? You need to understand what you are, how, where you are going to race is different from where you're training. So uh, you bring up a really good point. You're not going to be able to accustom your feet to being wet like, you know, unless you move to Florida and run in the run in the, the marshes for a couple of months before you go to Scotland. So because you don't have control over um, being able to train in the conditions that you're going to be racing in, now you have to be extremely pro proactive and preventative. So just know the different conditions and the different variables. So somebody like you going from a dry environment to a, a wet environment, pro proactive prevention is critical for you. Mm. That was uh, funny because I that was my that was my logo for Copadona was 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 prevention and preservation and you know was prevention was the key. You don't let anything happen in the first place. Right. And that's the most frustrating thing about feet because John and I are constantly going, oh man, didn't have to be like this. So one couple last questions on mastication before we get into blisters. Can that re-adhere? That layer? It takes a couple of days. That's it. A couple of days. Not going to happen during a race. But it'll bond back when a couple of days later. Yeah, it will. But basically during a race, <laughs> if if the edges if if the skin is torn off, just piece it back together and tape over it. Mm. So now you've protected it, and you just keep adding tape if you need to, but don't take the tape off because it'll tear all the skin with it. But yeah, you can tape that back together. And <laughs> I see Jessica <laughs> loves this topic. Her oh Jessica's, Jessica's head is in her hands. And so Michigan Buff is a good spot because mile 55, they've done, like I said, they've done some snow, they've done, and they've gone up and down the canyon. So you have a lot of friction, a lot of sweaty feet. And so, you know, probably it's a good distance to kind of come in and see where they are. If you waited 10 more miles, it may be too late, but, uh, so what, what you see a lot of that in Michigan Buff, that early stages of mastication, or do you see extreme conditions there? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the runner. It depends on how long they've been out there. Um, so Western States is is a unique with regard. I think it might be unique in just ultras in particular because John and I have been dedicated foot care people there um, for so long. But we get an average of 30 plus runners that come through Michigan Bluff every year. We've been kind of keeping track now for the last bunch of years. And it's it's consistent, at least 30 um, uh, more, more often than not, it's more. Um, and so when runners come in, you know, it's just what you would expect. The earlier runners that come through are going to have generally have less going on with their feet because they haven't been out, they haven't been exposed for as long. And then the later the day that the day goes, the more you get the, just the degradation of tissue happening and it, things end up starting to look a little bit more dismal runner after runner. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Okay. 
It's uh, we got again. We got some pictures at the end. The get the book giveaway is going to be Jessica's going to talk about it. But later this at the end of the show, we're going to have several pictures or, that are nasty that we've had our listeners submit, and and Tanya's going to pick the the nastiest one, right, Jessica? Yeah, um, we have some doozies coming up. Um, yeah, I'm just interested. So someone comes in with, I'm guessing the bottom of the feet issues are much different than the top of the feet issues. So are we still lancing blisters and taping them up? I mean, that's what I've always known to do. Is that what we're doing for blisters still? Yeah, so that's the thing. And so, yeah, I'm glad you're asking this. And so it's, again, I'm kind of going back to understanding all of the variables that are contributing to what it is that's happening. And so someone comes in with blisters, the critical part of especially if you're running an ultra, you know, you got the cutoffs, the time, the clock is ticking. You can't be stopping to fix the things like every aid station. You need to, we need to have a fix that it's a one and done and you get out there back on the trail and finish the race in a time that is hopefully not affected by having to stop for foot care. Um, so using the appropriate um, products so that your tape job lasts and that is applied properly. And that's, you know, we go through that on the book. This year I made some videos there on the Western States. Um, we've got a link here. Uh, I think you guys put the link with my social media stuff. Um, it's on my um, YouTube channel, uh, uh, Tanya K. Olson, DPT. Um, and then, the, but if you go to Western States uh, website under runners and scroll down, there's foot care. And I put some videos up on there. I'm adding more to my own personal page um because uh uh so that people have videos so the biggest thing is is you need to be able to using the proper tape for the conditions um the proper technique of tape application and the proper substrate and skin prep so that the tape will stay on so the tape jobs that john and i do at michigan bluff are always still on at the finish line. And there's nothing more um, confidence building for myself and the runner to be able to look at the runner and say, give me enough time. I know you're frustrated and you're sitting here and you're waiting and the clock is ticking, but if you let me do this properly, I can guarantee that this tape will be on when you get to the finish. So um, prepping the skin with, with tincture of benzoin, which makes it nice and tacky, using a kinesiology type tape that has, um, has just enough stretch in it and is forgiving so that if you make a tape mistake and then using the tape in the right, though in the right manner will allow you to protect the tissues and preserve that, um, and <laughs> underneath and, and get the runner back on the trail. So understanding all the variables. So about blisters, when do you lance them and when do you leave them? Yeah, so generally during the race, we um, we will err towards lancing because what you want to do is you want to puncture the skin in a clean and controlled environment and then put tape over it to prevent that. Um, from, you're preventing infection, but you're also preventing more pain and um, a larger wound than you would have um, if it burst on its own. Because if a blister bursts on its own while somebody's running, now the skin, the roof of the blister is going to be detached. It's going to be flopping around, sliding back and forth. Dirt's going to get in there. It's super painful because that soft skin underneath is not prepared for the uh, for the outside world. Now you got grit and grime in there. The runner can't run. It's a whole big mess. So if we can lance 
during the at an aid at an aid station control that um, have the skin interrupted as with just the the um, with the scalpels that, that's kind of what John and I prefer to use because you just it makes a hole big enough so that um, it will drain but not and not but not too big so if you if you have a hole that is not too small, but not too big. Now the skin hasn't been torn open, so that blister will heal faster, but it also be will be less painful. So if yeah, I generally err on the side of lancing the blister. Mm. I've done that with uh, a needle, and yeah, you're right. If you have a little needle, it just closes up again. You got to do four or five times. So it's nice to have the little scalpel, so you can kind of make a little. Yeah. A little or scissors work nicely, like the um, the like the pedicure, the manicure scissors, those little bitty ones. You can cut a little hole and then open the scissor to create a little bit more of an opening. Um, and so, just kind of rather a, a a needle can, you know, man, to create a hole that's big enough, you kind of have to. It's really hard to make a hole big enough. <laughs> so, say runners are at a race that you and John are not. What is something that they can prepare for themselves to have in a drop bag or maybe their crew, maybe like five items for foot care that you recommend that every runner carry with them for the chance that something happens? Yes. Everyone a runner should have foot care for not only themselves, but this is the ultra running community, right? We need to help each other out. And so you might be helping another runner. So you need to have something to clean your skin with. So that would be like an alcohol pad. You need to have the tincture of benzoin, which is what you apply next. So that to create a tacky surface for the tape to, to adhere to that will last for 45, 50 miles. Um, you need to have a proper tape, which would be a kinesiology type tape. Um, it's the most, it's the most versatile and the best tape to be using. And then um, a little bit of zinc oxide, a little bit of it, because in case you have a blister where the roof has come off, you need to put something between the tape and the skin so that the tape won't uh, damage the skin um, and adhere to this to the tender skin underneath. And so zinc oxide works nice, like nicely for that because it is a desiccant, meaning it dries the tissues out, and that can help the the process of the blister healing as you're running. So that was yeah, I think that was most of the, the main things. And then. Another maybe controversial take that you can just kind of squash right now, after you run a race and you get the tape on your feet, you finish, when do you take the tape off? That depends on the integrity of the tissues underneath. <laughs> so if you have had a foot that has has some serious tissue degradation, meaning like it's, it, it, it macerated, it tore, and we taped it back together, or you had a blister that has been that tore on its own, or even a blister that's been lanced, and that tape is protecting the tissue underneath. Like if the roof of a blister, uh, um, or the or or the top skin on the bottom of your foot um, that has delaminated because of maceration, if if those tissues have been damaged, you need to leave the tape on. So basically, think about what's underneath, and if you peel the tape off. And the skin underneath it is going to is likely to come with the tape. Leave the tape on. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. 
For, I say, and I say that a lot. There's, it's not unusual to say it at the finish line. I'd be like, yeah, so you're going to need to leave this tape on. And then you just, you just let it stay on and you just cut the edges as it frays up. And then you'll feel underneath, like when that dermis, which is that under underneath tissue, when it starts feeling less painful, you'll kind of know, but it'll, it'll peel up as it, as it needs to, but just know what's underneath the tape. Yeah, okay. there was at the TRT, Tower Rim Trail and under. Yeah, I love that race. To, they use some product that they would say it'll stay on for like five days. It's like super glued to your skin. Yeah, that's and what I was wondering. It's, it stays on for like, they said if you try to pull it off, it'll probably pull your skin yeah, off. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. It, pro- it may have been the blister shields, which are actually the absolute worst thing to be putting on during an endurance event because they are, they, again, you need to understand the product and the purpose. A blister patch, hydro, hydrocolloid, um, a hydrocolloid um, bandage is dressing is what it's called. The blister patch is intended to be placed on the skin and stay there for the life of the blister. It adheres so strongly that it will cause significant skin damage if it is, um, if friction is applied, but if moisture is applied, like in during an endurance event, such as an ultra ultra marathon, that um, dressing will bunch up, ball up and create this gelatinous mass that is no longer where it was originally applied to, and you cannot take it off. And now you've caused, you can, you're causing significant damage because now you have a lump that you can, you kind of have to cut around and shave off. And then you tap the tape over that to protect it. But now you have another friction point. You have another point of um, where shearing is going to occur because you got that big lump, lump of a bandage. So this is, check one of my, I did an Insta post, Instagram post on this. This is, and I'm going to do, I'll do a video on this, but it's really important to understand the products that you're using and the and what they're intended for and the conditions that you are in. That's probably the most common self-imposed injury on the trail is using the wrong products. Hmm. That's very interesting. Big soapbox on that one, but I'll stop talking. Great. <laughs> no, we love, we love this conversation. Um, just a couple more that are kind of coming to me that I've heard or I've seen. How often in a hundred mile race should you be changing your socks? Again, I'm going to do the thing and I'm going to say it depends. Because it really does. It depends on the runner, their training, what they're accustomed to. If they have, if it, so um, it will never hurt you to have an extra pair of socks. (laughs) Because every year I give away my own personal socks because people do not have them in their drop bag. They are not big. They are not bulky. They do not take up any space. Like for love of all things, holy people, put extra socks in your bag because you might help another runner. Like I'm giving socks away myself. You might be able to save somebody's race by having an extra pair tucked in your in your vest or whatever it is. Hand them to another runner when they need it. Pay it forward. Help everyone finish the race. But for God's sake, extra socks is never going to hurt anyone. No one is ever going to complain that your drop bag is too heavy because you had a pair of socks in it. Soapbox. <laughs> Our next episode, we will have a GoFundMe for Tanya and her socks. And so just to answer that question a little bit better is like, so you want to you change your socks when you know your feet are going to get wet, right? 
just okay. that's more prevention. And then knowing yourself, knowing the conditions, um, you're then then you can make the judgment as to when. But more often is better than not enough, and being prepared is better than being unprepared. I met a gal last weekend that she gave me a tip I've never heard. She carries extra soles in her bag, so when she changes her at a river cross, she changes her sock, she changes her insole because oh. she says it's squishy. And it, oh, it gets her sock wet. So, and I yeah, I wonder, I wonder what kind of what brand of shoes she's wearing that has the squishy, because running shoes are made to have weather go through them. They're made to dry out. Yeah, you know, yeah. with over a little bit of time. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and that's again, that's where if you know your feet, you know your situation, you you know, do what works for you. We're getting near the end of the show, but I have one more topic that I wanted to. I'm curious about. I always use tape when I do a long race, but I'm always jealous of the people that are using lubricants. And I, I never have the guts to just go with a lubricant in my sock. What is that? What's the, what's the story there? Is that, is that a, it works for some people. So what's yay the deal? Yay or nay? Yay, of course. Like, again, it depends on you. It depends on the conditions and it depends, it, it, it depends on you and your conditions and your own feet. So um, lubricant is a preventer of maceration because it's um, a hydrophobic layer, meaning a water hating layer. So it protects your skin from moisture of getting into the skin and causing the maceration. Um, so that is probably the most if most that's probably that is what lubricant the main goal of a lubricant or the main job of a lubricant it does cut down on friction to some extent um so my question to you would be why are you taping well i think my my toes i tape because i like in cocodona i taped them up because uh the one the bottoms in the desert i've had the bottoms blister because of of just the heat Okay. So you're getting tissue breakdown. Yeah. So, so I did the one year and just the bottoms are just, they get super hot and blistery just for the pavement you're running on. So I, I tape the bottoms up for that. And then the toes I tape up because they just always seem to be function better. If all the toes are tipped up. Yeah. And so if you're, if, um, if you are having tissue breakdown, that is not straight maceration or moisture issues, then it sounds to me like your, your decision to use tape is based on the, the variables and your experience. And I would stay with that in that strategy itself because it's, uh, because it's not a maceration only based um, decision. So just understanding those variables. So yeah, we have Kelly there talking about um, understanding the use of foot lubricants. Foot lubricants are used to prevent maceration just in general, if we're going to talk about that. So if you want to prevent your, if you want to, because maceration is going to happen to everyone, if you stay out there long enough, because your feet are creating the moisture, 125,000 sweat glands, your feet are creating moisture, you're out there a long time, your feet are going to macerate. So if you're, if you want to prevent the onset of maceration, or if you want to delay the onset of maceration, a foot lubricant is one of the easiest ways to do that. And then midway through the race, or if you end up adding any tape, or you just 
sometimes it just gets messy to be putting on the lubricant, switching to a powder like the two toms that has the high, the ionized wax in it, which um, so the wax um, is an anti-friction um, kind of a lubricant in and of itself. But then the powder is dry, helps to dry the feet. So that can be a little easier to be putting on um, into your socks rather than smearing it around because your hands are kind of gross by the time you're getting kind of into a race. And especially if you applied any tape, you need to switch towards a powder, not a lubricant. So it's not going to affect, um, it's less apt to affect the um, adhesive in the tape. So hopefully that helps understand your products, the what, the whys and the wherefores. I love that. And so we posted, we asked for feet picks and I thought we should post a couple of, I'm going to have you look at three different sets of feet and you're going to pick the worst one. And then you're going to tell us how maybe an everyday person can fix it. And then that person is going to win a signed copy and we will get that mailed out to you. Most excellent. Awesome. All right, bring it, people. Show me the feet. And thank you to everyone who's had the bravery to. Okay, here's one. Do you guys see that? Oh, okay. Okay, there's one. Hmm. Let's show you the second one. Oh, guys, hold on. Hold on for this one. I'm, I'm zooming in. I want to see. Oh, okay. That's ouchy. Mm-hmm. A little that's... raisin, a little raisin, like a oh. I'm pr- I think this, I have a... this athlete names hers. So I believe like Fred. <laughs> I, I believe this one. I believe this one is called Steve's Fetus. Get it? Fetus. Okay. And then here is the last one. Okay. That looks like the finish line. That's, is that the, is that's that a the, TRT finish? That's, yeah, that's, T, I was going to say that, that looks familiar to me. That's TRT. Oh, I love that race. It's such there's a fun one. Race. Okay. There's two. I'm gonna, and there's three. So we've got the common denominator of number one and number three as maceration kind of being the issue. We've talked about that a fair amount. Um, I think from like a gore perspective, Steve's fetus is probably gonna gonna be the winner here, just from a gore perspective. Uh, I mean, how do you fix that? That toe is gone. So, just cut it off at the joint. Is that the top that or bottom actually, of the toe? What kind of is, toe that's is that? Easy to fix. Okay, tell us. This is it the is winner. Really tell easy us to how fix. to fix this. So if it's the, now, here's another video I need to do. We, if it's at the end of the race, you do what I what I have dubbed. You do the Coban swirl, which will, is going to be another episode. Um, that can just be cushioned with the Coban swirl. Um, if you're in the middle of the race, we just adhere to the the principles of maintaining the integrity of the skin at all costs. So we're going to want to preserve the roof of the blister, which is basically all around that little toe. So um, find a way to piece those edges together. This might be a situation where we may, depending on the, um, the tolerance for discomfort that the runner has, this may be a situation, and don't anyone now start doing it with everyone. This may be the rare situation because sometimes you say one little thing and they just take it and they run with it and make it a whole different thing. So in a rare situation, very specific rare situations, you may 
take a an um a syringe and squirt some zinc oxide in between the roof of the blister and the mm -hmm. floor of the blister because then you get the desiccation and then you're filling that space a little bit it's kind of not super comfortable but this this may be one of those cases where i would do that and then you just use the taping principles you tape over it and use it and and send the runner on their way great let's stop looking at that. Um, <laughs> that is perfect. Um, did that person, hang on. Did that person finish their race? Yes. With that toe? Is that yes. the, a finish line photo? I believe so. See, this is what I love about the finish line. We do, we do. It's really mostly therapy. People, <laughs> it's, it's like closure for me. Cause I know most of the runners I've, I tape their, 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 their tape um, jobs I've done. I can critique my work. We can talk about, we can jubilate in their finishing. And then we just talk. It's just, it's therapy, really. It's just therapy and how to, how to self-care from there. That, the, yeah, that would be a fun one. So that would be a Coban swirl. Well, speaking about struggling, <laughs> we're going to roll into one of our sponsors. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, hey, everyone, this is Jess and Mike, uh, your host of the Mile 99 interview, and this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Runners are not immune to struggling from time to time, and I'm trying to balance all my kids' schedules, co-parenting struggles while working full-time. It's really tough. Um, I run to help to keep the balance, but sometimes I just need a little bit more help. And that's why the, why the Mile 99 crew is teaming up with BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help and maybe tape your feet. I don't know. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp. They have over 20,000 therapists in their network. You have access to all kinds of stuff, stuff you may not have access to in your own town. It's pretty simple. You just fill out a questionnaire and you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours, then schedule a private video or phone session. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages. Everything you share is completely confidential. And getting help after hours for me has been really beneficial in getting a jump start and taking care of what I call my sad days. So join the two million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with experienced uh, better help therapists special offer to mile 99 right. listeners get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash the mile 99 that's better h-e-l-p.com slash the mile 99 thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and we're at the end of our episode so what we do with all our guests is we do a little rapid fire quick question are you ready tanya of course i am Okay. Let's Trail or road? Trail. What's your favorite post-race meal? Apple pie. That's amazing. That's a first. That's amazing. Yeah. Are you kidding? With ice cream, of course. Hello. Oh. I'm, I'm not a yeah. savage. <laughs> I mean, we get like typical like burrito, but now we know if we ever see you at a race, everyone's bringing you apple pie. That's amazing. Oh my God. Perfect. Yeah, little mini apple pie to Michigan Bluff. They have burgers on the other side that, but they have ice cream too. And it's like it, it's a fundraiser and all that. But anyhow, yeah, mm -hmm. perfect. Do you have a bucket list race? Oh, I do, I do, I do. Um, you know what? I would not say that it's a race. I would like so I would like to hike Kilimanjaro with Simon and Tui. 
with um oh gosh what's his company it's a Senna S E N E Adventures um he mm-hmm. used to be a uh, Kelly no Kelly Barber knows right yes so Simon does. used to be at Western States he's he's from the a little town that's at the base of Kilimanjaro and um he used to come to Western States every year and he'd bring a bunch he'd he'd fundraise and bring stuff back to his village and now he's just got this he just does amazing things there and I think that would be it's not a race, but I think that would be uh, um, a trail kind of related um, experience. And it's based on, uh, you know, trail running community. We'll take it. I love that answer. I don't think we've ever had anyone. Everyone's yeah, like, Western anyone States, is, UTMB. Yeah, You're yeah. like, I would like an experience, please. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah. And just dovetailing on the, on the ultra running community. If you contact Simon and say, Hey, I'm a, I'm an ultra runner. I want to come and, and hike up Kilimanjaro. Like you're getting, I mean, he's already red, red um, carpet kind of a guy anyways, but you're, you're part of the family and you're going to get extra perks. I love you. That's love. I love that. And then our most controversial your favorite Mike added something. So I guess I have to ask it cats, dogs, or horses. <gasps> you didn't. <laughs> we did. <laughs> She's going to say dog. <laughs> it's not cats. It's not going to be cats. Well, what's the scenario? <laughs> you just have to pick one. Oh man. I have to say dog. There you go. My heart's with the horse. But a dog you can like have in your house. You can carry your dog over your shoulders. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we are at the end of an episode and we went over an hour because we just had so much to talk about. So thank you, right. Tanya, for coming on the show. Any Patreon members, go ahead and stick around for our after show or log in. We can ask Tanya some more questions. Um, episode 75 is with Laura Matz in two weeks. We all know her and love her. We can't wait. As always, we are deeply thankful for all our Patreon and our Venmo supporters. If you are new here, our social media handle is at the mile interview, at the mile 99 interview across all platforms. Give us a follow. We were live for the first time on Instagram. Um, if you guys are viewing us there, uh, let us know how it went. Pretty excited about that. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on the show and we'll see you on the trails. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Steve Speedus, especially.